Good morning. My name is Kelly Williams, and in this week's scripture reading, we will look at some of the many verses in the book of Proverbs that speak about anger. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs 14, verse 29. Anyone who is slow to anger has great understanding, but anyone who gets angry quickly shows how foolish he is. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away anger, but mean words stir up anger. Proverbs 15, verse 18. A person with a bad temper stirs up conflict, but a person who is patient calms things down. Proverbs 16, verse 32. It is better to be slow to anger than to be mighty. It is better to control your temper than to take a city. Proverbs 19, verse 19. A person with a bad temper will pay for it. If you save him, you will have to do it again. Proverbs 22, verse 24 through 25. Don't be a friend of a person who has a bad temper. Don't go around with a person who gets angry easily. You might learn their habits, and then you will be trapped by them. Proverbs 27, verse 3. Stones are heavy, and sand weighs a lot. But letting a foolish person make you angry is a heavier load than them both. Proverbs 30, verse 33. If you churn cream, you will produce butter. If you twist a nose, you will produce blood. And if you stir up anger, you will produce a fight. Proverbs 25, verse 21 through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. By doing these things, you will pile up burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Kelly, I think. Um, I'm convicted already, aren't you? All right, today, um, what we are going to be doing is coming back to the book of Proverbs, as we've been doing all summer, except this time to look at one of the most uh, powerful, I would say, impact-filled parts of the human emotional makeup, and that is anger. I'll give you a verse here. It's the first one Kelly read. A verse here to focus our thoughts. It's, it's Proverbs 14:29. On one side, anyone who is slow to anger, and this comes up over and over again in Proverbs, anyone who's slow to anger has great understanding. But anyone who gets angry quickly simply shows how, how foolish he is. Now, I'll tell you this. I've been preparing to talk to you about anger today. This has really been a challenge for me. For, for so many reasons. Uh, and I think one of them is that all of us know how destructive 
uh, anger can be. Uh, so many in our church have, have experienced this for, in your own life or toward you from other people who are angry. Uh, as a pastor, I have simply seen the devastation uh, that anger brings into our families, into our relationships, and often even into the church. So in many ways, I'm, I'm tempted simply to talk to you about all the bad aspects of anger and, 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 and uh, tell you how negative it is. But at the same time, any of us who know the Bible very well, we know that anger is not always bad. Uh, that, that in fact there's a right time for anger, there's a right place for anger, there's a w- right way to go about it. That God himself in the Old Testament is described as having anger against evil and injustice. Do you know how many times? 490 times. And it's not just you have an angry God in the Old Testament. The New Testament reaffirms it many times, especially Romans 1 through 3. And, and chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that God's anger is focused on or, or revealed against all the things that are wrong and unjust in our world. And we're glad because there's no justice unless evil's dealt with, but we're, we're concerned because we've engaged in it, right? But as we look at that, when I speak about anger, I have to uh, speak strongly about its destructive capability because I've, I've just seen how it's done destruction to so many of our relationships. But on the other side, I have to point out that there is really a very important place that God would have anger to play in, in this world. I, and, and in doing both, I'm almost concerned that some are going to go home and you're just going to get angry and blow up with abusive words and violent actions. You'll say, well, Pastor Greg says sometimes it's justified, so I am. And, and that's, that's, you see, that's not what I don't want to happen. So let's see. I think God can lead us, don't you? Let's think about what it is. Uh, uh, anger is powerful. But if you're going to understand it and deal with it right, you have to see it. it's, it's what I call a secondary emotion. Do you know what I mean by that? Let me try to explain it. There's an anger research consortium in the American Psychological Association that has written about this. And, and here's what they've written. I put it here for you to see it. They say anger is a normal emotion with a wide range of intensity. And we know this is true. From mild irritation and frustration to rage. So anger is a reaction to something else. Especially to a perceived threat to ourselves. Or, or to our loved ones. Or really to anything we deeply value. Like uh, our property. Our own self-image. Or some part of our identity. Now, now when you look at that definition. Do you see what I mean by a secondary emotion? That, that it's always caused by something else. Uh, anger that we have can be caused by, by many things. But by envy, as Pastor Walter spoke so effectively about last week, that can make us angry when something we envy uh, is, is not ours. It, it can be caused by, uh, by hatred, by loss, by boredom, uh, by unfulfilled expectations. Sometimes it's caused by something that that should bring about anger, about injustices and wrongs that are going on in our world. So th- when I talk about anger, and especially when I get to this part about the Bible saying this is how we should deal with it, the complexity in all of this is you have to get behind the emotion itself to try to figure out what is causing this if you're going to deal with it. Th- does this make sense to you? I'll give you one illustration. It's an extreme one, but I think it's a helpful one. Uh, a man that I know pretty well 
became aware this past year that there was a single woman in his church who had become obsessed with him. Uh, I'll tell you, she had her heart set on him as the one that was supposed to be her husband. She did everything she could do to try to develop a relationship with him. She was following him around everywhere that he went. She, she set her heart on him. Uh, what happened then was that, that that obsession with him grew so deeply in her heart that she became envious and jealous of any other woman who even spoke to him. And then she became angry with them. And on one particular Sunday morning when she saw another woman talking with him, she followed this woman out into the freeway and tried to drive her off of the freeway to her death. Now everyone would say, you would say she's an angry person. But to understand the anger, you have to get back behind it. And, and you have to see that perhaps some mental illness, but certainly issues like envy, were, were a part of this. Something was threatened that she had set her heart on so she had wrong kinds of affections wanting something that went beyond what God would have wanted her to have. And this is the way, even though that's an extreme example, I'll tell you it's the way it always is. So if you're going to understand how to deal with anger which we'll come back to at the very end of the message you have to take the time to stop and try to get back behind it. Now, if anger is going to have both a positive side, like God's anger does, and a negative side, the destructive force, one of the things we have to think about is how anger plays out. So I've done a lot of chewing on this, and I, I want you to see it and think about it. Um, recently, uh, Pixar with Disney put out what I think is a marvelous movie. It's called Inside Out. And it has the emotions that are in us. Many of them are personified. And one of the emotions that they turn into a character is anger. So the way it plays out, it shows vividly and beautifully. And I have some of the pictures up here to show it to you. So how does anger play out? Number one, for so many of us, it's what I call it blows out. It, it, it blows. It's what I call the exploder. I have a picture of the little anger character exploding. Do you see that? See, what anger does is it can turn people into dynamite. In a moment, exploding in, with abusive words, with violent actions. And the book of Proverbs. It's not just Pixar. It's the book of Proverbs that drives this home to us. Chapter 15, verse 1, tells us that harsh words, and the official word for that in 15.1 is really uh, words that are like weapons. Harsh words go out and they just stir up conflict. And, and it's not just the words, but it's the person too. Uh, in chapter 15, verse 18, one of the phrases, a hot-tempered person, which is speaking about a person who has his or her anger get you out of control. So that hot-tempered person also goes out and stirs up conflict. Now, I don't think I have to talk too much about this. You know how explosive anger destroys, don't you? H haven't we all seen this? What, what I want to talk to you a little bit about is how people have thought about different ways about how to deal with that explosive anger. Uh, when I was in college, this was all the way back in the 70s, uh, all the counseling psychology books I would read would talk about a therapy for anger that you should engage in that, that was called Lancing the Boil. Any of you remember that? So anger was viewed as sort of an infection inside that you lance the boil to get the infection out. And once you and, and, and the way you would do it is by maybe hitting a pillow or, or, or kicking something. 
Uh, I remember one, an old movie where Robert De Niro was told, uh, when I get angry, I hit something. I think Billy Crystal told him. And he, and he took out his gun, bam, 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 shot a pillow. And he said, I do feel better. And, and so even when I went into seminary in the 80s, uh, and the counseling courses I took there were telling people to just get it out of your system. It's like anger is, is a, a commodity that once it's out, everything is going to be better. That is absolutely wrong. Let me just, it's not true. And in all of the research that's been done since then, it shows it's not true. In fact, I went on to the website of the APA, the American Psychological Association, and this is what's there. I put it here for you to see. This lancing the boil as a remedy for our anger is a myth. Research is consistent in showing that letting anger rip on a pillow or a piece of furniture actually escalates anger and aggression, and it doesn't do anything to help either the angry person or the other person either, right? So what, what, what we know is this, and the Bible affirms it so much, anger is something that fuels itself. Uh, when you get angry and you lash out in anger, it just creates more and more and more anger. Uh, that that if, if, if you think I'm going to get rid of anger by hitting something, even it, it, it's a pillow, what it does is it just develops a way of life in you that you hit things. And eventually it's not just a pillow. And if you think you're going to get rid of it by kicking something, uh, then, then you're going to find out you become not a person who gets rid of your anger, but only a person who kicks things. And sometimes you'll justify it. So this blow way of dealing with it is almost always destructive. So, so there's an opposite, a different way. Uh, if the first one is blow, the second one is lay low. And I call this the simmerer, uh, the one who has that anger inside. But especially, I think, the more educated we become, and maybe the more church-going we become, we have this anger inside that we just don't want people to, to know about, and we just let it boil, boil inside. So the Apostle Paul quotes this when he writes to a church. So, so I, I see how the world hasn't changed. Oh, 2,000 years, he had to talk to his church people about this in the same way. And when he talked to them about this issue, he quoted a psalm, Psalm 4. And this is what he says. Scripture says to us that when you are angry, do not sin. So once again, it's, it's not that anger itself is always wrong or bad. In fact, that phrase could be, be angry, but do not sin. But, but he said, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So don't let that thing just simmer, simmer, simmer inside. It settles inside of your psyche and your being. It becomes more and more of what you are. Instead, as places like Psalm 15:18, the second phrase says, a person who is slow to anger actually does something and turns that anger into something that calms other things down. So you see, the, the Bible tells us not to let anger come out through an explosion, but it also tells us that we shouldn't just let it simmer and set and simmer and sit there within us. Uh, many simmerers try to deal with this by just um, going off and watching television, really angry. So I'm going to watch television. I think that's going to deal with it. Uh, or other sorts of, of diversions. Uh, some think I'm going to sleep it off. And that's what the Bible addresses directly. No, no, no. Sleeping it off doesn't sleep it off. Anger is a terrible overnight guest. Just mark it down. That if you just let it go and let it simmer, it may become more destructive than even the one who blows in it with an explosion. So there is blow. There is the lay low. 
Then there is the pretend no, the denier. Um, I, I think church people, this is the hardest. This is the one that we're most inclined toward. We don't want to admit that we become angry. Now, um, you've watched me for eight years. Uh, which one of these do you think I'm most prone toward? It has to be either two or three. And they're not better. Uh, in, in denial, what we try to act like is, the, the, and even make excuses for, uh, the anger that we have. Well, that's just the way I am. My father was a straight speaker, and I'm a straight speaker. All you are are angry people. That's what the, the Bible is saying. So if these, these three ways of playing it out aren't going to be helpful, blowing the exploder, laying low the simmerer, pretend no, the denier, what does the Bible say? It says, go slow. It, it just has amazed me how many times when, when the book of Proverbs talks about anger, it tells you to, to go slow. But, but not too slow. <laughs> but not too slow. Don't let your son go down on your wrath, but make sure that you go slow in dealing with it. And we're told this because we have to remember that anger, there's a reason why, why God becomes angry, and there's a reason why anger is a part of our human makeup, and it can be directed in a positive way. It can be powerful to further healing and help. In fact, Proverbs 16.32 is one that I want you to see and think about. Uh, the writer says, It is better to be slow to anger than even to be mighty. That where we let that anger direct us into constructive speech, and it, it can be better than being my, mighty in, in physical strength. And even more, it, better, it is better to control your anger than even to take a city. That's what the king says when he writes this proverb. So this, this matter that we are told to be slow to anger, not just to deny it or to let it simmer, but to actually utilize it to help direct our lives, comes about because of the power that anger has either to harm or believe it or not to bring health so I want us to chew on that for just a moment uh, so this, I want us to think about this power of anger either to, to bring harm into our relationships or to bring healing I, I have to speak directly and soberly to you right now one of the painful realities of being a pastor and I, I'm guessing for the many of you here who are counselor and therapist, it's the same for you. But one of the most painful things for me is how frequently I have to deal with the effects of anger among the people in the church. It just You know this is true, right? How anger has destroyed so many of our marriages and so many homes and so many neighborhoods. It can destroy a whole church. It is a deadly serious topic. So, so why is it so harmful? I've written some things down for you. So it harms what? Anger, if it's undealt with or misdirected, will harm your personal health. Chapter 19, verse 19, puts this in an open-ended and very haunting way. Just look at the phrase. A person with a, with a bad temper will pay for it. Isn't that open-ended? It begs the question, how... And the answer is in many, many ways. 
It will do physical damage. It will do relational damage. It will do spiritual damage. It will do emotional damage. I I want us to focus just a moment on the physical side. Because as I started thinking about doing this message. And I was thinking about beginning this Proverbs series. A study came out that shows the physical effect of of anger in our lives personally. That, That those who have undealt with anger or misguided anger are three times more prone to fatal heart attacks than to those who deal with it. And the same thing is true of strokes and high blood pressure and, and so many other things. And, and now, um, those 12 years that I was college president, I began to see a, an ever-growing phenomenon, and it continues to grow, of how anger comes out, especially in our junior high, senior high, college-age population, that whenever there is something behind the anger, causing anger, and a person feels out of control, you know, our human direction is that we try to find something in our lives that we can control. And, and where that comes out so often is in self-mutilation and the phenomenon of cutting, of cutting. I can't control this. I feel awful about myself. I'll do damage to myself. Maybe that will be enough. Among our students, even in a Christian college where I was president, some of our finest, most wonderful students, this was increasingly becoming a part of their lives. My heart ached, continues to ache. Uh, uh, In a church our size, uh, I know that this has to be true of some who are here. I I just want to say to you, if if you see your life going in that direction, we care. Um, God loves you. We do too. We want to walk alongside of you. Don't, don't allow that to continue. We, we want to be here as a true supportive family to, to walk with you in those things. So it affects your personal health. Uh, it affects your um, human relationships. <laughs> I don't have to say much about this. I've just put a few of the verses up here for you to go to. Chapter 6, verse 34 tells us how anger affects a marriage. Uh, the other verses are more about other kind of relationships, 15, 1 and 18. Uh, I really like chapter 30, verse 33, where it says, you know what, what anger does. Uh, because you've seen that with cream, if you turn it, turns it into butter. A nose, if you twist it, it's going to bleed. And I'm telling you, if you have an outburst of anger, it's going to stir up a mess. And it does. And it does. It harms our marriages and our families and our friendships and our whole communities and destroys churches. When, when you see this, that the Bible tells you to be slow to anger, don't you know it's speaking the truth? Can I have a witness here? Don't you know it's speaking the truth when it says that? So it affects your personal health. It affects our human relationships. It affects our relationship with God. You know there's a spiritual problem when it's there. One one of the verses, chapter 14, verse 16, you can look at that and it gets you there. But the one I want you to see is the harm that it can do is that it continues to multiply itself. It impacts beyond just that moment of your angry outburst. It has a multiplying effect. It harms people around you and then they pick up your way. So that you have chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. Don't be a friend of a person who has a bad temper. Don't go around with a person who gets angry easily. Because what's going to happen is soon, that's the person you spend time with, hang around with, like to be with. Soon you're going to embrace those habits. And you too will be trapped by those same habits. Shows you what anger does in our inner beings. It is so frighteningly clear to me when I read that text that our anger is passed on to others. We think it ends with the outburst, but it doesn't. 
Uh, yes, parents. Uh, our anger is passed on to our children. I talked with a number of therapists after the service, and they said it's not just that our children uh, pick up if we get angry outbursts. They'll, they'll have angry outbursts too. But sometimes when, when our children say, I'm not going to be like my father or mother who gets angry, and they go the opposite direction and turn into the simmerer. I'm going to hold it inside. And you know, it's, it, just, it just keeps living on. And, and, and uh, teachers, it'll affect your students. Um, at the university where I was, we had some problems with our faculty really being angry with one another. Um, I called them together. And because we were training pastors in, in, in one of the big parts of the school, I said, listen, um, even though these are graduate students, we as their teachers still have a huge mentoring effect on them. And if they see their godly teacher, supposedly godly teacher, engaging in anger in this destructive way, they'll pick that up and they'll treat their parishioners in the same way. And, and for those of us who are pastors here, if you watch us dealing with anger in the wrong way and, and we're the one teaching you how to walk with God, you'll do the same. Bosses, if, if your employees just see you with angry outbursts, supervisors, that will become the culture of your entire place. See, it's a, this is an amazing thing. The power of anger is something that multiplies it. it it's like these fires spreading around California. It just passes on uh, to others and they pick it up. It has tremendous power. But having said that, at the same time, the power that it has to do harm, it does have the power to do good if it can be rightly directed. And, and the thing I want you to see is what we have to do is like God himself. Learn to be angry at the right things the evils and injustice in this world, and in the right way. Uh, Think about uh, God. He loves the world. He created the world. When sin and evil came into this world, it it, it was destroying his world. But, But what did he do? He stopped, he pulled back, and he devised the plan. His anger against evil directed him to find a way to continue to love people, even to forgive us. And and to eventually, his plan is to remake the world where all hostility is gone. You know this, don't you? And that shalom and peace will reign. That's what God does. So brothers and sisters, there are times when we should be angry about the things that we see in our world. I'll tell you, when, when on a hot day like this, where it's over 100 degrees, and you see families and children, um, homeless and out in the streets, that, that's not right. Anger about the wrongs and and the harms and the hurts in our world should direct us to use resources to try to make a difference in those places. Do you see that? Myra was praying that when we learn about children being unborn uh, who who don't have any voice or anyone supporting them and we don't stand with the moms and we don't stand with with the life that is there, that's not strength, that is weakness. And and in this past year or so, as, as the continued racial tensions happen in our world and sometimes we look over there and we say why are those people so angry what we have to do is what God does get back behind it and say there's more here than I have seen and then to pray for constructive steps of how we can enter into those situations and not be people who create greater problems but but lead toward reconciliation and peace see ignoring evil in our world is not a, 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 a strength it is a weakness 
But, but the problem is, how can we go from using our anger to bring about harm to actually constructively using it to bringing about healing? I'm telling you, that's a hard part. And that brings me to this part of the message. And I should just be starting here. I know that. So, but I'm going to do my best. And I, I've called this just beginning pastoral counsel for turning our anger from harm to healing. And here I have to start again by saying candidly. Um, talking to you about dealing with anger when anger has become a way of life for you personally or within your relationships, it's very hard. It's very hard for you to change. I may be wrong. I, I'm not a, a, a psychologist. But my observation has been that, that anger as an emotion is more like... Um, a chemical addiction than any other emotion. Once it starts, it just takes root within us and it's just so hard to break. If you have, uh, see in yourself a, a pattern of getting angry, I, I strongly encourage you. God, God has placed wonderful, godly, Christ-centered counselors in our community. And I, I, I believe that you should seek help there and if you don't know how to find someone will you contact us you can write my email address you can find it online you can come to our prayer counselors and we'll try to help direct you and walk with you we'll understand because all of us wrestle with this but we want to walk with you so that victory can be found but but now in the moments that I have with you just from pastor to pew I do believe that the word has power to, to begin making a change and giving you some counsel and advice about where to... And I believe the Spirit of God is powerful enough to set you free. I want to give you that hope. So I'm, I'm going to give you a few things that I draw out of Proverbs about what happens when that anger starts coming up. Step number one. I want you to begin with worship. I know that sounds strange to some, but you knew a pastor would say that, didn't you? But that's where we always have to start. But I better tell you what I mean by that. You know what worship is? It's putting God in his rightful place. It's acknowledging that God is here. So we live our whole lives out there almost forgetting about God, right? You come into church and worship means we put God at center stage. Yes, there is a God. I, I, I must trust you. I must live for you. And what I think needs to happen when anger comes into our situations, we need to acknowledge that God is there. And, and, and put our vision on him. And I think the, the place where it has to start is this. That you and I know that we've engaged in doing wrong so that God is angry against evil and we've engaged in it. What did he do with his anger against your evil and mine? He stepped back and he devised a plan to offer us hope. Um, he entered into this world through the coming of Jesus. He lived the life that none of us has lived, but he lived it. Jesus lived it. And then he was willing to die on the cross in our place. He bore the penalty for our sins. The anger was placed upon him, and he offers back forgiveness to all who trust him. Isn't that the gospel? And if you don't understand that, <laughs> praise God, if you don't understand that, come. This is where life changes when you meet the God who loves you that much who is angry with sin, but out of that anger offers love and forgiveness to all who will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, in his plan, uh, he, he doesn't leave us where we are. It's not just that he leaves us, he, he forgives the past and leaves us messed up. He begins to remake us. He gives us his spirit. He gives us one another. Promises someday we'll be complete in him. So we stop and think about that. And one of the things that does is it gives us humility. 
So that when we're mad at somebody about somebody else's weakness, we, we don't do it with arrogance and pride. We realize if God was willing to die for me, then maybe, maybe I can be humble enough to make a sacrifice for my brother or sister instead of just lashing out in anger. So that's where it starts. I think it starts with worship because it's only in gratitude to God and humility that I think that our, our anger can be turned into healing. Does that make sense to you? Have I spoken clearly here? Okay, the second step. Slow down. When you're angry, slow down, but be intentional in what you do. And don't go too slow. It's the consistent message of the book of Proverbs. When anger comes, be slow and deliberate in dealing with that anger. Uh, parents and uh, elementary school teachers have really been finding out that when, when, our, when our kids get really angry, almost the most effective thing to do is to call for a timeout. Right? Call for a timeout. You're angry? Slow down. And you find out that often it only takes 15 seconds or a minute or two minutes until the child is able to be calm. Uh, now that we're adults, those of us who are adults here, don't you think we need some adult timeouts? I just tell you, I think that's what Proverbs is just driving home to us all. Be slow to anger and it can be something that brings healing. Have a timeout. Stop. Now, if you're like me, you say, okay, slow down. What do I do when I slow down? Well, you, partially you just have to let the emotions bring them under control a bit. But one of the things you need to do with that first point of worshiping, praying, bring God into the situation remembering that whenever you have sinned, he doesn't wipe you out, but offers you a new, a new beginning. Hallelujah. So you kind of start there. And then I think that the slowing down is where I started. You've got to slow down to pull back and say, oh man, I'm angry. Why? And try to get back behind that anger and find out what the source of it is. Because it's a secondary uh, emotion. And you'll find out sometimes your anger is justified. There is an evil or an injustice out there in the world that you need to do something about or speak out against. But sometimes you'll find out it's far less noble, right? Sometimes you'll find out that it's envy. Why was he invited to that party and I wasn't? Sometimes it's disappointment. Why did she go out with that guy instead of with me? Just can't understand it. Many times, as I said earlier, it's unfulfilled expectations. He promised he was going to call me and he didn't. Many times it's bitterness that's been simmering. Oh, the first church I was a pastor of, I went into a class. Everybody there was 60 years old and above. And there were still, you could just feel it, the anger and tension that was there. And I found out it's because back in junior high, because these people had stayed in the same church all these years, back in, he did that to me back in junior high school. <laughs> 50 years. Just almost unbelievable, but it isn't unbelievable. You know it. So go slow, because in haste, what you might do is lash out when really something very different is needed. Take time to think all this through. So take time to worship. Be slow in your approach. And then in that too, the third thing I've written down for you, and this goes back to my last sermon I preached to you, is to make plans. Do you remember my sermon on, on God has created us as human beings with this amazing ability to make decisions and to make plans? Anybody remember that sermon? Two. <laughs> All right. I won't preach the whole thing again right now. Make plans. 
Think through how you're going to act and speak when you get angry. And, 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 and with God's help, make sure that what you're going to say and what you're going to do will honor God. So, so you can almost think about every time uh, this colleague at work says this, I blow up. I can't think, what am I going to do this time? Make the plans ahead of time, especially in our families and marriages. I'll tell you, the more we're together in our families and marriages, we just learn how to get on the other person's nerves, right? We're smart people. We know how to get on that other person's nerves. When I say this, she goes off like this. I'll say this. When you see that happening before the Lord, say, I will not then say this. Make plans for what you're going to do and and to say and make sure that those plans honor God. And the last point, and and we'll be done. Uh, This is so important. When the anger is directed against a real evil or injustice you've got to you, you just can't ignore it you've got to stop that offender's evil how through intentionally blessing that other person i'm going to use my west virginia mom's phrase does that make a lick of sense to you uh, although the bible tells us to be slow to anger it also tells us that we need to step in when the anger is, is against something that is evil or unjust. Th- did you know that in the book of Proverbs are found the verses that Dr. Martin Luther King most often used when he found out that when he was fighting racism, uh, that it wasn't dealt with very well just by threats and, 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 and anger and, and uh, exploding in that sort of way. But instead he saw a different way that the Bible calls us, that Jesus showed it and the Bible calls us to conduct ourselves in the midst of evil and injustice. What did he do? say? Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. Romans picks this up later. This is it. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him water to drink. It's by doing these kinds of things. What are you going to do? You will pile up burning coals on his head. And the Lord will reward you. Anything about that you don't understand? Anything difficult there? Is it the piling burning coals on people's heads just after telling you to feed them? Does that make any sense to you? Let me tell you how I understand it. People disagree much about this, but... This is how I make sense out of it, and it's powerful when you think about it. That in the ancient world, when when the Bible was written, so often you had fortified cities that would be under attack. When the enemy would come with weapons wanting to do great harm to the people in the city and, and go up the walls. And you've seen this on many television shows and movies. The people on the top of the walls, what they did, they do, they would bring hot coals and dump it over the side of the wall and force the enemy down so that that enemy would not do destruction within the city. Now he said, that's the kind of thing that you should do. What are the hot coals that that we use that actually make a difference and keep the evil in our world uh, from harming people and, and communities? He said, here are the hot coals that the Bible recommends. Acts of blessing to the very people who are causing the anger and bringing about the threats. That I I found that screaming and yelling at people doesn't make much difference. Have you ever noticed that in your homes? 
But, but the Bible says that doing acts of blessing and kindness, even toward those who are becoming enemies and wanting to do harm, can stop the evil. I'm telling you, there, there's nobody out in the world saying this. This is what Jesus did. Do you believe this message? Do you understand the message? This is a whole different way of living. Do you see this whole different way of living that Jesus calls us to? And it is the one we see in Jesus. That when he was going to bear the sins of the world, including yours and mine, when it came upon him, instead of destroying us or offering back just threats and curses, he absorbed the evil, our evil, and offers back forgiveness and a new life. This is good news. This is the heart of what we believe in the church. This is why 2,000 years later we're still gathering. Because this is what Jesus did for us. The Apostle Peter, who, who must have been the one prone to being one of the, the exploders who blew. <laughs> Even later on, after Jesus had passed away, seeing him dying on the cross, offering forgiveness to sinners, he was still astounded by it years later, and he wrote about it. This is what he said, First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. This is what Jesus did. Jesus Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. This is how we're supposed to live. He committed no sin. But when people hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, to the father who he knew would bring good out of this. He, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live by his wounds. We are healed. The anger of God against sin is what moved him to the plan to bring about our salvation and new life. Now, the message nearly over. I've got to tell you, as I was preparing this, I think God decided to test me personally. Um, the way I work on messages is that I work on them for a long period of time. Um, I'm working on messages for next year already. I think about things. I just brood on things. <laughs> so I have sheets of paper and I write on them and I keep them. And when it comes to the week of, of the message, I, I take all those pieces of paper, I put it together, I put it into the uh, computer, uh, and, and, um, and then I get rid of all those sheets of paper. I always have about five hours of sermon material. Aren't you glad that you don't get it all? Uh, but then I, I put it all, I pulled it all together, and Thursday and Friday I try to write it and condense it and think, what's, what God would, would you have us to hear here in, in the church? So that's how I work on it. So this was a busy week. Friday night, very late, I had put all that uh, onto a document all, and I'd thrown away all those things and I sat down and I started writing it was about I think 10 o'clock at the time when something went kaflooey with my computer now you computer experts it's not supposed to happen in the 21st century but, but that, that little arrow that is there it stopped being an arrow and it turned into like a rectangular like hologram with any, nobody can explain to me what happened but I was able, I'd been backing it up. I just want to say that because everybody asked me about that. Um, so, so I was able to do a restart because I heard that Macs are, are, are like to be restarted. So I did a restart and as I did, uh, it, the little thing came up that, that said, um, 
that settings are having to be redone. And so I waited for that to come up. But when it came up, everything, everything I had done was gone. Um, so I rushed into uh, the office because I thought I was away from the office in uh, Russian. I called Emil Tolkien, who's the head of uh, uh, Infotech here, and I called David Guzman, who works with our computers, and they were so gracious. Till about midnight, we were working. They were trying to find everything. David took over my computer, which scared me um, <laughs> right there, and we were looking, but we didn't find it. The next morning, we got in early looking, didn't find it. I, I know I'm speaking um, objectively right now. <laughs> But I was angry. <laughs> I was angry. Oh, I couldn't understand it. And yet I thought about all these things. And I, I said, I've got to be slow to anger. <laughs> and this does not happen outside of God's control. Uh, and so I, I started back over. And, and many thoughts came to my mind that, that God knew about this. Uh, this message is not the same message it would have been if that had not happened it would have been much more polished, I, I, can, I can assure you. But I knew deep in my heart the things I wanted to talk to you about. And, and I believe, with his help and by God's grace, God might use this message more effectively than he would have used the much more polished message. Is that possible? Because I believe... I believe that this is an issue that God wants to have us deal with. I mean, we have so many of our relationships, so many of our marriages and families that are in trouble, and, and anger is there. And it's just ripping us apart in so many ways. We live in a world where that is happening. God has planted us here to be a different kind of community. I, I just know that what he wants to do is to make peace in those places where there is hostility, where anger still reigns. And he wants us to know his victory and that his victory is very real. And it doesn't come about when we repay evil for evil. It's, it's when we, we bring him into the situation and know that whatever happens, even if it's the thing we would never want to have, whenever things are threatened or when we lose things that we would never want to lose, that God is still God. And that, it, that if we will take that and pull back and be slow to anger and use these minds he's given us to develop a plan that might actually further his work rather than destroy his work. That he will deal, do his healing and reconciling work among us as a church family. And that our world will look at this body of people and say, God must be there. That, that is what I am praying will happen so I'm going to leave you again with that verse that I started with anyone who is slow to anger I'm telling you that that's only possible <laughs> with the teaching of God and with the help of God and now you know being slow to anger means stopping and saying I'll give this to you Lord and using the minds he's given you to honor anyone who is slow to anger like that has great understanding but anybody who gets angry quickly shows how foolish he is may our response to anger further the kingdom of God and bring glory to the Lord in this community Amen Amen. May it...
Let me lead us in prayer. Father, do a work in our hearts and lives. All of us are so susceptible to anger and all of us are susceptible to having it come out in the wrong way. We need your help. Father, if there's some here who don't know you through faith in Jesus, may this be the day that they come to know that all our sin can be forgiven through faith in Jesus. That David's testimony given when he was baptized can be our testimony too. That we can have different lives and new lives and lives that make a positive difference in our world. That we can have reconciled relationships. That your peace can reign because you are real and you are here. So Father, I pray that this would be the day that some would come to faith in Jesus. For the rest of us, Father, do whatever you will in our hearts and lives. That our words and our actions might bring glory to your name. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this prayer again. Let's pray. Lord, will you be my vision? Lord, will you be my vision? Lord, will you be my guide? Be my hope, be my life, and the way. And I'll look not for riches, nor for praises on earth. Only you be the first of my heart. For this is what I'm glad to do. This is what I'm glad to do. It's time to leave a life of love that pleases you. And I will give my whole to you. I'm thankful that you've come this morning. Um, I'll be having our pastors and prayer counselors to my left, to your right. They'll be here ready to meet with you at the end of the service. The things to pray about, like to find some resources, some counsel, be sure to come. These are the people that are ready and trained and are willing to stay and meet with you about any issue. If you'd like to connect with the church through a small group or a place of service, right through that connect sign. Uh, we'll get you there. Will you just take a seat for just a moment? Because we have, I want to bring Principal uh, Skinner up uh, to be here. Um, Trudell Skinner is the uh, principal at Blair High School. We have this special relationship with Blair High School. So we're so thankful that you are here. I can't believe you stayed both services and that you are outside in this, this heat. Uh, we, we're so thankful to be able to be a part um, of, of our community and to be a part of the work that you're doing here.
I'm wondering now, we've been involved with, with Blair for a long time, and it goes all the way 6th grade through 12th grade. Are there some things that you would like to let us, school begins this week, right? School starts on Tuesday for the students. The teachers yeah. have been there since last Thursday, so we solicit your continued prayers. We thank you for the support that you've provided and your continued support. Specifically, we're looking for uh, people who would come and volunteer at our school. We have some of you that are, uh, is already doing that. So at the table back there, if you'd like to come and volunteer, we'd love that. We, we're looking for people to sit down with our students and help them with their scholarship applications, their financial aid applications, those types of things. But most of all, we solicit your prayers for our teachers and for me. All right. And, and you were saying in the, in the first service just what you see, the love of your teachers for their students. Our, we have some awesome teachers at Blair. <laughs> uh, there are some members of our congr- your congregation that attends Blair. But we have awesome teachers who love teaching children and who, who have the love for students. And that's what it needs. So our prayer is that they would continue to show that love toward our students. You know, when, uh, when the cutbacks came financially in, in, here in California, our public schools had so many challenges. And one of the things I wanted to make sure that you and, and the teachers know is that you're not alone. Uh, that w- when a church is in a community, we want to be a blessing. And, and that's particularly to our students, to our teachers. And uh, even if they, they don't believe the same thing about God that we do, I hope they'll know that when God has a people in a neighborhood, that we'll walk with them. And so if you could pass that on, and, and we'll be in prayer so much for you and for Definitely. them. Well, love is an actual word, and you guys have really shown it. May it continue and even grow. So why, could we put our hand out just to, and pray for, uh, for what's happening at Blair in this coming year and all of our public schools? Father, I, I'm so thankful for the church people who are here. I, I love being a part of this church. Thank you for how you put our neighborhood on the hearts of so many and how actively uh, so many who are here right now have been involved in Blair High School and many of the other public high schools, mentoring students and walking with families. Father, continue to do that. There are still many more of us who could be involved in a much more meaningful way. Put that on our hearts even today. Now I want to pray for Principal Skinner and for all the teachers at Blair and for the school teachers who are here this morning. That, Father, as they begin this year, that you would give them renewed... uh, love for their students, and it renewed energy and wisdom to know how to conduct their work and task, give fruitfulness to their work so that their lives and their teaching actually makes a difference in the lives of students and in our community and in our world. Bless them in this way, Father. May this be the best year they've ever had. To your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Myra, you're going to be going out. We'll be outside in the, uh, it's a lot cooler now, right? Okay, in the lobby and in the plaza. Uh, let's go ahead and stand for our benediction. I thought, um, I thought that this would be a good day to speak about the heat of anger. <laughs> what is... All right. That's enough to be said about that. Uh, now, I said uh, worship is putting God at center stage. This has been a worship service where we've put God at the center. Now we go out to live lives of worship. Don't you need his help to live in keeping with this word? So uh, let's have a word of benediction that that might happen. Our Father, we have heard your word. We have met with you. And now we go out to live for you. We need your help. 
Father, we, we, we feel so many times the emotions welling up inside of us. And we don't handle them in ways that honor you we want to. So, Father, change us this week and use us. May our dying Savior's love flow in and through us. May our risen Savior's power give us the strength we need. May our ascended Savior's prayer daily for us sustain us. And may our returning Savior's glory be so real that it changes us, that people see us and see you. Amen. Go in his peace.